1: You may be working on your plan for financial independence, but you may find yourself in need of some help. On today's Get Ready for the Future show, we provide some clarity to your questions.
0: This is the Get Ready for the Future show.
1: We are excited to be with you again today for the Get Ready for the Future show. John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker and Scott Inman is busy uh, yeah. taking care of some actual gen wealth business of uh, providing clarity for folks on their retirement investments and their money.
2: You know, John, you and I thought that they just needed more gray hair in the room, and so they put us in here. But uh, then that, we then we realized Scott actually has more gray hair than you and I combined. So we don't true. really know why they put us in here, but here we are. And yeah. I take
1: <laughs> great pleasure and comfort in that fact, <laughs> just so you know. All right, we are here to answer your questions today on the Get Ready for the Future show. If you have a question, please reach out to us. The The number for you to call to provide a question to us is 501-381-5228. Now, you're going to go to a voicemail, leave your name and your question, and then we will get busy researching the answer to that question and provide that on the air here on the get ready for the future show janet our first question today comes from james in el dorado he says i am changing jobs and even though i'm excited about the transition i've heard the employer plan at the new place sucks <laughs> and that's that's, we a got direct, tickled by that's that. Yeah. that's a direct quote Uh, what are my options? Should I avoid my employer plan altogether? I guess that means uh, that we need to, first of all, uh, really figure out what the word sucks means to James.
2: Yeah, and uh, it's funny because I was about to go the exact same direction that you did. Um, You might have a different perception of what sucks than what we do. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I would say that any time that you can get a 50% return on your money before it's invested, or maybe even 100% return on your money before it even gets invested, that the plan does not suck. And Let me explain what I'm talking about here. If your retirement plan, sucky though it may appear to be, if your retirement plan at your new employer has any level of a match on what you're putting in there, 50 cents on the dollar, dollar for dollar, that's free money from your employer to you and we can we can handle a whole lot of like you know sucky whatever in the retirement plan if we've got a match on that money and that's before it's even invested so we don't know what your timeline to retirement is so you you may want to consider obviously with your old retirement plan you've got to think about what your choices are there and we'll we'll circle back to that in just a moment, John, but also the in in whether or not you participate with your current income from your new employer, if there's a match, it would have to be like the suckiest retirement plan of all <laughs> retirement plans on the planet to right. not participate in it.
1: Right. So let's take a look at, at uh, some data that we put together that actually illustrates Uh, janet's point on this so if we could go to the slide here uh, and uh, we're looking at if you're joining us on radio you might want to go to our facebook page to actually see this uh, slide but with the employer match if you have someone that has a fifty thousand dollar salary they're contributing ten percent of that salary to their plan and that salary increases two percent each year and let's say they're age 30 and they're going to work until age 65 We average a rate of return at 7% and the employer match is 50 cents on the dollar up to 6%. Mm -hmm. So with the employer match, they have accumulated by the time they retire at that rate of return, that 7% rate of return, $1,170,295. Janet, without that employer match, it almost makes a $300,000 difference.
2: Yeah, they would wind up at that point with $900,227. With all other factors being equal, it's a $270,000 difference. So I don't think $270,000 sucks. That's the point. So if you have a match, it's really important for you to consider uh, participating in that plan with your new dollars, but... James, let's talk about your old plan from your current employer that you're about to leave and you're going to transition to a new employer. There's two decisions you've got to you've got to think about new money and we've talked about if there if you have the ability to participate in the plan and get a match, then that's kind of a no-brainer we need to do that. That does not mean that you have to do that with your old money from your old plan, and because they're not going to match what you're putting in there from your old plan. So if the plan does indeed suck, um, then we're, we probably don't need to go that route, but we do want you to understand what your four choices are with regard to your old plan when you change jobs. You have the not-so-wise option of cashing it out, and the reason we would say that it's not-so-wise is you're probably not 59 and a half yet. And, and and so prior to 59 and a half, if you cash out your 401k, you're not only going to have taxes, which you would have at any age if it's pre-tax money, but you're also going to have penalties and it it adds up to be a very significant portion of the overall balance. So we would discourage this option, but we do want you to know that cashing it out is an option that you have. You also have the option to leave it in your old 401k. Um, There are some pros and cons to that, but you need to understand that there is that is one of your options, as well as rolling it into the new retirement plan, which you've already said is a sucky retirement plan. But that is an option. So we're at cashing it out and paying the taxes and penalties. Leave it in the old plan. Roll it to the new plan. Or the fourth choice is that you have the option to roll it to an IRA. That is not a taxable event. So just like if you were to roll it into a new 401k, that's a non-taxable event to go from a pre-tax to a pre-tax account. And I will say sometimes um, there's a mixture of, of Roth and traditional dollars inside of a 401k. So if you're looking at rolling it to an IRA where you would have more investment options available to you, then you can separate that and roll a portion to traditional IRA and a portion to Roth based on how it's already set up inside of your 401k.
1: Janet, I want to address his comment about the employer plan at the new place sucks. On what basis are you making that assertion, James? Because if you have gotten, let's say, the last uh, latest Uh, rate of return information from that 401k and made that evaluation based on what you see the returns of Mm -hmm. that plan has been in the last 12 months, last year, last two years, whatever the case may be, then reassess because everything is down right now. But also I would say, James, if you are accumulating money, and obviously you are, uh, especially if you're younger then the fact that the market is down mm-hmm. actually helped you during that time. So what we mean by that is is the old story of the cow story, Janet, that, yeah. that you can buy more cows when the prices are cheaper and fewer cows when the prices are higher. So when that negative rate of return shows up on your 401k report, it actually means that you were able to buy more shares.
2: Well, and... All of that is definitely on point. One of the other things that we see very much in alignment with this conversation, John, is people will come in talking about their 401k performing better than other things. And we start talking through it. And really, when you look at the performance, they're either on par or sometimes the 401k has actually performed worse, but they feel better about it because they have added dollars and their employer has added dollars. And so... If you're looking at the fact that you have more dollars in your 401k than you did a year ago, and then you're looking at the performance numbers on the new 401k, and John, as you said, they're not pretty right now, then it can be very deceptive because people oftentimes don't think about, well, yeah, but I added money to this and so did my employer. That's why I have more dollars. It's not about just performance to performance comparisons
1: janet if there is a hack to financial independence this is one of them and that is to eschew this whole idea of instant gratification you're not going to make 10 percent every year you're not going to make a positive return every year nor do you really want to do that if you're in the accumulation mode It is something that you've got to understand and learn. And there is a great deal of patience that is required to build financial independence. Don't throw that away for expediency. I think that's a critical thing for a lot of people these days as they are on that journey to to find financial independence.
2: Yeah, I I would absolutely agree. John, before we transition to our next question, and I'm excited because somebody actually called in and recorded one of these, we're we're really looking forward to having more of those recorded. So let me tell everybody as we get ready to roll into that one how you can get your question on the air. So all you have to do is call us You can leave uh, a voicemail on the hotline. This is not our normal uh, office number, so it is set up for this purpose. So you can call our hotline at 501-381-5228, 501-381-5228, and leave us your question uh, we love to know things like age. Sometimes that is very important when we're talking about a question because our answer for a, a 35-year-old is going to be very different than an answer for a 65-year-old. So if you've got a question about retirement investments and your money that you'd like answered on the air, we would love to hear from you. So give us a call.
1: And as Janet mentioned, we do have a recorded question. This one comes from Angie in Boxite.
2: Hi, I'm a longtime listener of the show, and I've heard you say often that it's about time in the market, not timing the market, but is there ever a point where it's wise to sell in a market upswing?
1: Angie, thank you very much for that that question, Mm -hmm. because that is something that is, I guess, out there in the vernacular of people about their investments and what have you, but it's very strategic when we might do that, Janet.
2: So it's funny. People kind of get emotional about, not kind of, they do get emotional about their holdings and they don't really want to sell when it's down because then you're locking in a loss and they don't really want to sell when it's up because then, well, if we left it there, we might make more money. So we've got to be the voice of reason as financial advisors and go, okay, this is the plan. So let me talk to you about an example, Angie, of when you might want to sell in an upswing So, as we lay out our buckets of money strategy in the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process, when we look at that later term bucket where we need to have some more growth oriented returns, sometimes those are going to be negative and we want to leave them alone and give them time to recover. Sometimes they're going to be inordinately positive, they're going to be above what we had planned. Well, if that happens, we don't necessarily want to leave that money on the table for it to turn around and go the other direction. Because over time, it's John, we've often talked about the the visual of if a person is walking up a staircase and they have in their hand a yo-yo, that yo-yo is going up and down. And over time, even the low points are higher than what the high points used to be as you get to the top of the staircase, but it's volatile. It's going to move, and your growth-oriented investments are going to do the same thing. So when we have a time where we get an extraordinary high, then we may want to take some of those gains off the table when we put together a retirement income plan for somebody It looks very stagnant on paper. It looks like this is exactly how it's going to work in any given year, but real life is much more dynamic than that. And so we will take those gains and maybe even just go ahead and use those for income in the next year and let their cash sit in place for another year. And then we've got more time for all of the buckets.
1: Janet, I like to call it a plant-grow-harvest type mm-hmm. of philosophy. So we're going to plant that growth money in a growth investment, and we're going to let it grow and do its thing. But when it is ripe, then we're going to harvest it. Now, we're not going to cut down the tree. We're just going to harvest the fruit from that tree. So we're going to plant it, let it grow, and when it bears fruit, then we're going to harvest, meaning that we're going to scrape off those excess gains and put them in a more conservative bucket for someone who is in retirement so they can actually realize those gains. If you let that ride during retirement, it might go down and you might not have time to get it back. Mm-hmm. So we want to capture some of those gains and put them into a a more conservative bucket that is ready to be used for your income, for your enjoyment in retirement. So I think that that really does give us a real good picture. That plant grow harvest mm-hmm. strategy gives us a real good picture of what to do. Now, let's talk about maybe when you're not talking about retirement. I think that, that in an accumulation mode, if you have already hit your goal, let's say that you're mm-hmm. saving for uh, a, a second home or something of that nature, and you've already attained the goal even though you're not ready to buy the home then go ahead and get yeah. it because yeah. that gain might disappear and and i certainly think that there are certainly times to to uh time the market if you and that's not really the way that you yeah. think about it it is in correlation to your goal right but not necessarily Thinking about well, I don't know that it's going to go up anymore, so I'm going to yank it out. That's not we we don't have crystal balls here, and frankly, no one else does either. And and so I that that is really a a a misnomer that a lot of people have about investing. So if you
2: think about the number one rule of investing, Angie, it, it is to buy low and to sell high. And so really. If you were to able, if you were able to script ahead of time what your investments look like throughout the years, you would always sell in a time when that particular investment is up. And so there are there are definitely times when we want to do that.
1: Janet, our next question comes from Gary in Little Rock, who has a, a very common question, and it's very perplexing for a lot of couples, and they, they frankly get into arguments about it. So we're going to try to tackle this one. But Gary says he's 52, his wife is 46, and we're torn between whether to build our dream home or stay where we are and try to pay off the mortgage. We want to be smart, but we also want to enjoy what we've been working hard to earn what do we need to consider? Thanks, Gary, for your question. Janet, this is one that we have tackled for probably 30 years around here, uh, because this is a very common husband and wife debate that goes on.
2: I, I think that our first question would be setting aside the discussion of the House, are you on track for retirement? Because we're going to assume that retirement is Uh, and tell us if if we shouldn't assume that, but for most people, retirement is an important goal. It is an important consideration in the whole financial picture. So if you are on track for retirement, and we can kind of check that box, then we get to play a little in this discussion about whether we want to build our dream home or stay in the current home, whatever that might look like. If you're not on track for retirement, really you've already answered your own question. Because if you're not on track for retirement, then we don't need to take on additional debt in moving forward because there's, there's a probability that that would not allow us to ever be on track for retirement.
1: I, I think there's a lot of questions that need to be asked of Gary mm-hmm. and, and his wife. Number one, how much equity do you have in the current home? And if you roll that equity into your dream mm-hmm. home, then is it going to greatly increase your monthly payment? And if it's not going to increase your monthly payment and you are on track for retirement, then you're probably in real good shape. Or if you're on track for retirement and you can handle an increase uh, in your cash flow, then maybe that that is a way to do it. We're not saying no to this, but mm-hmm. we are saying to tread carefully in this uh, because really and truly, Janet, this, this whole idea of I, I've got to have this bigger and better house uh, and And this progression that people get into often leaves them house rich and and cash poor,
2: yeah. I would say the other thing to consider is your timeline. Gary says that he's fifty two and his wife is forty six. And so if we if you were able to do this on a fifteen year mortgage, then that would get Gary to age sixty seven. I don't know what Gary's uh, planned retirement age is but if you're able to do that and john that goes back to what you were talking about about the the cash flow for the mortgage and what kind of a difference would that be relative to what you're doing now but if you're able to do that and get it done in that 15 year time period and as we've said also be on track for retirement then I'm a huge fan of living your dreams as long as living your dreams in one area does not create a nightmare in another.
1: Janet, I think it's very important to point out that if it's the dream home and that dream home comes with a dream, uh, a nightmare mortgage payment, then when you hit retirement, that just means you have to have more money in your retirement accounts to be able to pay that mortgage payment because you're not going to want to take money out of your retirement account and pay a big lump sum on that mortgage. That's a fight that we have to encounter with with people all the time because they think the piggy bank is open. The first thing I want to do is go pay that $100,000 on my mortgage get it paid off so I'm free and clear in retirement, but that doesn't always work.
2: It is often more important to have those assets to create a revenue stream for you, and that revenue stream can be utilized to then pay your mortgage where if you take that $100,000, and frankly, if you owe 100000 on the house, you're going to need to withdraw more than that because of taxes. So if you take that and then pay off the mortgage just so you don't have that mortgage payment anymore, then you, you have lost the future power of that $100,000, and that's a really big
1: deal. We've got another mortgage-related question coming up, but I want to take just a minute to be sure that you are on track to, to attend our social security workshop called Maximizing Social Security. It is coming up on May 16th at 630 at the Delta Hotel here in Little Rock. It is going to be at the intersection of 430 and 630. Uh, it formerly was known as the Crown Plaza. So if you're wondering where that's at, that's exactly the building there. All you have to do is go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash social security, or you can call our office at 866 Plans 866-653-7526 absolutely free of charge a friend of ours matt emmanuel is going to be there he is a great explainer of social security and i'm just going to call it an explainer because there's so many details in social security you got to explain it to somebody right (laughs) and and so matt explaining to do (laughs) that's right matt does a great job of this so you want to be be sure that you're in attendance especially if you are approaching retirement and need to Mm -hmm. understand uh, maybe you're worried about whether Social Security is going to be there. Maybe you're wondering about when the right time to take it is. What's the best strategy? What's my special situation? How much do I need to be uh, sure that I look at my assets in retirement versus when I take my Social Security? All that are things, All those things are things that we're going to cover at this special workshop coming up May 16th. That is a Tuesday night, 6:30 at the Delta Hotel in West Little Rock, formerly the Crown Plaza. All you have to do is go to GetReadyForTheFuture.com forward slash social security to register. Sheila from Cabot contacted us with a a great question. And this is one that we haven't really addressed on the Get Ready For The Future show at all that I'm aware of. But she's asking a great question because this is becoming more and more uh, popular for people to, to take a look at. And she says, I'm approaching age 62 and I'm hearing a lot about reverse mortgages these days. I'm considering getting one. What is your opinion? So let's first of all talk about what a reverse mortgage is. It is exactly what it says. Instead of you paying a mortgage payment, if you qualify for a reverse mortgage, then they will actually pay you a payment based on some uh, calculated Mm -hmm. value Mm -hmm. of your home and it basically relieves someone of a mortgage payment in retirement and provides actually an income stream. Now, Janet, what could be wrong with that? I get rid of my mortgage payment, and I get income coming in. That's a great deal, right? I will say
2: the devil is in the details. And uh, in the details of a reverse mortgage, you will often find a devil. I I will just say it that way. Um, This is for some small portion of the population a wise move. Uh, but for many people, it is not. And it, it is more of a curiosity of, hey, I got this thing in the mail and says, I, I'm probably eligible for a reverse mortgage. What is that? And man, I sure would like to get a check instead of giving it a check.
1: Let and, me let me interrupt for just a second and say we don't recommend reverse right. mortgages at, at GenWealth. And it's just not something that we, we think is a yeah. viable tool. So with that caveat, let's do some education.
2: So there's a few just question and answers to go through to determine if you should even remotely consider this. So the first one is, are you age 62 or older? If you are not, then you are not eligible to do a reverse mortgage. So you at least have to pause the conversation for a period of time. If you are 62 or older, then we can proceed to the next question. The next question is, is your home your primary residence? If the answer is no, then again, you're not eligible to do a reverse mortgage and we'll just move forward. If the answer is yes, then John, that moves us to the third question. It does.
1: And you have to know a couple of things. Uh, Is your home one of the following? Is it a single family home or a one or up to four unit home? Is it HUD-approved condominium, or is it a manufactured home that meets FHA requirements? Now, most people have a single-family residence. It's a site-built home and that type of thing. But there are some qualifications if you fall into those other categories. And if the answer is yes on those, then you can proceed. If it's no, then you don't qualify. But if you proceed, then the question that you have to ask is, are your payments up to date on or are you past due on any? federal debt now obviously they're not going to give you a reverse mortgage if you are two payments three payments behind on your mortgage this is not a bailout right that uh, you get to save your home from a bankruptcy situation or something like that
2: so you need to consider some of the pros and cons on this um one of the things that I think is very important is what is your objective with the home long term and by long term I mean after you're gone is it important to you that that home go to your family as an example I grew up on a family farm and there are there are some houses that have been in our family for generations now because of where they are it it is relevant to the farmland and all of that and so we've we have kept those residences that's something where it would have been a, a bad decision for somebody in my family to utilize a reverse mortgage because that house needed to stay in the family in the future so think about whether that is important for future generations
1: Janet, I think that there are are some other considerations. Do you have an immediate financial need? Do you need this income that would come in from a reverse mortgage? If the answer is yes, then it might be worthy of considering. But also, you kind of alluded to this, do you want to keep your home in your family? Because the way a reverse mortgage works is essentially you're building up more and more and more debt on that home. Mm -hmm. And when you pass away, then the mortgage company is going to own that home. It is not going to be something that gets passed along in your will or trust or anything of that nature. They literally own that home, yeah. and if your kids want that home, then they have to go buy it from the mortgage company.
2: Right. Uh, another thing to just be aware of is you know, usually when when you have a regular mortgage, not a reverse mortgage, when you have a regular mortgage, You are paying the taxes and the insurance on the property. So, many times people assume that with a reverse mortgage, the people, the company that's paying that reverse mortgage is paying those things. That is not the case. If you get a reverse mortgage, you are still responsible for paying the taxes and the homeowner's insurance and keeping your home in good repair. If you don't do those things, you can face foreclosure on the home, even though they are buying it from you. So,
1: Janet, let's talk a little bit about if if, if everything that we've told you, you're still going, yeah, I want to know more about this, then what do you do? Here, here are your next steps. You need to set up a meeting with an unbiased HUD-approved counselor who will help you make an informed decision. There's probably not, uh, other than your 401k plan or IRA, Mm -hmm. there's probably not a bigger investment that you've ever made in your life than the investment that you made in your home. And that investment is at risk in this conversation. So to have that unbiased HUD-approved counselor sitting down with you to go through this information, I think is, is critical then I think that one of the things that you also want to do is a financial assessment, Janet, to see if this makes any real difference for you. Now, obviously, getting rid of a big, fat mortgage payment could be very attractive to somebody, and swinging that to positive cash flow could be even more attractive to somebody. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of horns on this thing, and you've got to understand how it works, and it works for a fairly narrow group of people.
2: So let me go back to what you talked about, John, on the HUD-approved uh, list. So you can check out that list of FHA-approved lenders at www.hud.gov. Just go on there. Uh, there's, there are several places you're going to have to click to get into this, but, but we do believe it's very important that you know that you're not just talking to somebody who sent you a flyer in the mail. Uh, maybe they're okay. maybe they're not. But it is very important to walk through this in a in a wise manner. Um, there are frankly some unscrupulous per- people out there who are using reverse mortgages to scam consumers out of a, a significant amount of cash. And we don't want you to be in that situation.
1: Janet, I think this kind of opens up a little bit larger question uh, and and an emphasis point that we'd like to make here at Wealth, and that is, I think you have to take stock of your your entire financial situation before you really do anything, especially if you're approaching retirement and reverse mortgages are targeted. Uh, You can't even get one unless you're 62 or older. So I think the first thing that someone ought to do is to take a real clear, hard assessment of where they are financially. I'll give you a for instance. I was just talking with a, a client the other day. And they were pretty uh, noncommittal, almost negative about the fact that uh, they didn't think that they had enough to retire. They thought they needed to work probably another four or five years. Well, I, I, you know, understood that. And I was gathering information from them about other assets and things of that nature. And we sat down and ran the numbers. And lo and behold, these folks, if they want to, could probably retire today. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and they didn't really know it they didn't really understand the big picture of everything they were making a decision based on one piece of information and frankly that was how much they had in their 401k plan Mm -hmm. it really wasn't all these other income streams and assets that they had that they could utilize for retirement and when we had that conversation then they had a completely different outlook on on what the situation is And I think sometimes people are looking for that, that instant answer, that quick fix that they, they have some itch going on and they get, they decide, oh, that'll fix my itch. I'm Mm -hmm. going to go do this thing when, if they'd step back a little bit and really take stock of the entire picture, then they'd be a lot better off.
2: John, that's your not whole conversation. You like to have a lot that if you're, if you're standing, you know, looking through the fence, um, between your yard and your neighbor's yard, and you're short like I am, you have to look through the fence, not over it. Um, so you look through <laughs> the little knot hole and you can't see a whole lot. But I, my, I understand that people who are taller than I am can actually see over the top of the fence and see the whole span of the yard instead of just this one little area. And I think that that, that type of knot hole vision can impact people's retirement decisions in a lot of ways. And you, you want to be sure that you're really looking at every aspect that influences that decision for you.
1: Janet, I think that uh, one of the things as we wrap up our show today that we want to, to be sure that people understand is that this journey to financial independence really begins with the connection of information and application. We all know that information is out there everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, all you got to do is get online and ask a question and, you know, your computer will spit out all kinds of information. What do you do with that? Yeah. How do you actually make that roll? How do you actually make that happen? And I think that that clearly the the things that we're doing here on the Get Ready for the Future show about answering your questions about retirement investments and your money uh, those are things that that get you started down mm-hmm. that road to financial independence. But really and truly, all great things happen with a plan and a coach. Every football game I've ever yeah. seen the Razorbacks win, they had a plan and a coach. Some of them they lost when they had a plan and a coach, but, <laughs> but that's another story. But everything needs a plan and a coach, and that's what you get here at Genwell.
2: As we wrap up with our final thoughts, uh, I would focus today on the Gen Wealth difference. And one of my favorite aspects of the Gen Wealth difference is that we are education driven. You have an opportunity this month to, or coming up within the next month, or rather, uh, to join us at a workshop entitled "How to Maximize Your Social Security." That's going to be at the Delta Hotel on Tuesday, May sixteenth, at six thirty p.m. No cost to attend, just plan to join us and figure out how to maximize your Social Security. You can register by going to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash Social Security.
1: If you've got questions, we've got answers. You can call us at 501-381-5226. Record your question. 5228. I'm sorry. And record your question, and we will get back to you as soon as possible. That's going to wrap it up for this Get Ready for the Future show. For the entire Gen Wealth team and Janet Walker, I'm John Shrewsbury. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Independent Advisor Alliance. Independent Advisor Alliance and GenWealth Financial Advisors are separate entities from LPL Financial.